Yeah. Well, it's not going to get any warmer from there. Actually, it's about to get a lot warmer, like 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius warmer, um, if we're lucky. What's that in Fahrenheit? I live in the U.S. <laughs> I don't know, like five. I love like uh, every single one of these projections is like fully like I've, I'm convinced that they could get a whole bunch more people on board if they would just like in the U.S. If they would just be like, this is how many degrees this is. Mm-hmm. It's like if it warms by two degrees Celsius and even the smartest among us are like, just, just go full glazed eyes at that point. I don't know what that means. I mean, 1.5 degrees Celsius does not sound too bad to me, but no, it sounds that's because I have like imperialist like measurements, dumb brain. Yeah. They're, I like them. Those are like the one thing, like the relic that I hope we keep. <laughs> the metric system seems so fucking complicated, man. At least for like temperature, it makes sense. Cause like zero degrees is really, really cold in Fahrenheit. Like a hundred degrees is really, really warm in Fahrenheit. Whereas like in Celsius, what like a hundred, like zero degrees is like, it's, it's cold and a hundred degrees is like, you're dead. Everyone's dead. It's boiling. Well, no, wait, zero degrees Celsius is freezing, which is 32 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Yes. And then a hundred degrees Celsius is boiling point. Yes. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Yeah, but like not day to day. You're only dealing with a range of like, I don't know, like minus 10 to maybe like 30, whereas you've got like a bunch more degrees to play with. Yeah, maybe if I was doing like science shit, but like when I walk outside, I'm not like, like if it's like 33 degrees or 28 degrees, like it's like, I don't know, man. Like I feel like that's like an important distinction. It's not just like, it is. you're right. Yeah, each, each like group of 10 has its own mood. I also get freaked out when I, the centimeter thing for inseams, I'm always just like, these seams, this is too many centimeters. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how many, how many we're dealing with anymore. Look at Look, the other I, side of the ruler. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be the guy who's defending the metric system on the podcast. I like, I just That's like fine. you guys, I, I find it confounding as well, but I think it is a pretty reasonable setup. I would say oh, at least literally it's a reasonable <laughs> setup, but it's not like useful for day to day people. It's good. So you said it's good for scientists, but like, <laughs> do you mean day to day people? You mean Americans? Is that what you mean? Day to day people? Yeah. Just a regular <laughs> salt of the earth. It's like when I talk to Nick sometimes and he's like, oh, it's really nice weather here. It's like 20 degrees out. And I just go like, oh, uh, and then he goes like, it's like 70. And I go, oh, okay. That's nice. Like, I, yeah, I need the conversion. Like, I need, I need to know if there's like, if it's, a, is it a good conversion rate day, bad conversion rate day? Like, what's the, what's the Celsius on the Fahrenheit rate that day? Does it, it doesn't change, right? It stays, stays steady. Remember, like the horrible looking formula you need to do to convert on your own. I blacked all those things out. Nine fifths times thirty two minus yeah, something. All too much trouble. Too much trouble. I feel like Celsius and Kelvin are the same thing in my head. I know that's wrong. I know that is wrong. That's not the right thing. Like absolute zero is a very different thing than, than like the metric system, whatever. There's something to do with the number 273 in Kelvin. It's negative negative 273 is absolute zero. It's like, that's what I think it's Fahrenheit, but it could be Celsius. I really don't fucking know. It's Kelvin. It's Celsius. It's like, I think Kelvin is Celsius, just like minus a bunch of numbers. No, Kelvin, absolute zero is zero Kelvin. Yes. That's what that is. Yes. Which is also like <laughs> negative 273 Celsius. Oh my God. No. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I got a well, four on AP Chem. So like. <laughs> I did not. Like, I'm the worst source on this. Like, that was like something. when I fully cheated on here. That was like one of those ones where you show your ass on the AP test, like you do okay during the whole entire year, and then on the AP test you get like a one, and it's like, ah. 
All right, so it's going to get hotter, huh? <laughs> going to get hotter. All right, welcome back to Blowout. I'm David. You're Albert. Reed's over there. Hi, Reed. I'm here. Hey, guys. <laughs> Litigating. Hotter, you say? It's going to get hotter. It's going to get hotter. How many degrees hotter? Um, we hope 1.5, but it, it, I don't think that's... <laughs> it's a circle back. I don't think that's possible. All right. Tell us more, David. So, you know, we talked about this before that I, I'm guessing we've discussed and everyone's heard about how, like, fashion and fashion production is responsible for, like, 10% of greenhouse gas emissions in, in the world. That's That's the number that everyone's, like, had in their head. New study says it's not that bad that we're only 2%. So congrats to us that we're five times less polluting than we had previously thought. So like mission accomplished, everyone. Great job. Okay. Yeah. I heard about this through uh, Alden Wicker. If you know her, uh, very good site, ecocult.com and is always good on, on top of this stuff on Twitter. But, um, so past estimates of greenhouse gas emissions by fashion are around two to three metric gigatons annually. So we're getting back to this. They do it in metric gigatons. What I looked this fuck? up. I was just like, oh, one gigaton. That's not that bad. But like, oh, a metric gigaton, that's 2.2 times more tons than I was expecting. Is the ton hours or not hours? Now I'm getting confused. The ton. So like the ton is not hours. The ton is spelled T-O-N-N-E-S, which means it's a kilogram it's ton. And not Okay. Yeah. Okay, yes. So, like, McKinsey and Qantas, like, thought that it was two to three metric gigatonnies. Appreciate that distinction there. Yeah. But this study, like, they tried to calculate, like, literally everything that was done in 2019, and it was just around one gigatonny. Mm. But that is still 2.2 trillion pounds of carbon emissions. This is about the equivalent of 10,000 aircraft carriers. I'm not trying to check McKinsey or Qantas's math because I feel like they're better than, than I, like especially back of the napkin. You're probably better than McKinsey. I don't know Qantas. But isn't like one, not 2%, like, so like 10 to 2% is, is a five times reduction, but like it's 20% of the original number on that percentage, but it's either 50% or 33% of the original. Like what, how much were we making? And what, and how can they f- possibly figure this out? Like, I feel like we should assume we're doing worse, not better at all times, right? Yes, yes, th- that's also true. Because the 10% of global emissions came from, like, the UN, and the gigatonnies numbers came from two other bodies, because, like, everyone has different ways of calculating this. Is the 10% even have anything to do with gigatonnies? Like, what are we even on the same measurement system for these no, two things? No, the 10% one was, like... The I've seen a lot of people deriding that number as it was created by a UN intern, and we're all just saying it now because 10% is easier to remember and sounds more like impactful. Imagine being that intern. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's more Steve. impact that I will have on climate change discourse than <laughs> this intern had. Your name was Steve. You were out like just a little too late the night before. They're like, we need a number. And he's like, I don't know. 10? 10. Because you think it's just like some offhand. And you're like, then, then it just gets repeated for eight years. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm imagining it's the other way. There's a, a late night about to happen. Everyone's like, you ready to leave the office? You ready to leave? And it's like, uh, uh, 10. <laughs> Type it in. <laughs> Out the door. Book it. <laughs> so, well, that's impressive. So we got one gigatonnies that were created 
in 2019, but we're on pace to create 1.5 gigatonnies every year by 2030. Go us. Which is the wrong direction. Oh. As... (laughs) as discussed <laughs> it's still less than what Qantas and McKinsey thought but it is more than we're doing now no that's wild we gotta get more digestible figures I feel like just as a not us like this isn't our this isn't our issue we can't commission these studies but I feel like it just we need like I don't know I still don't know what a gigaton a gigatonny is it's crazy that a gigat a gigaton is a metric gigaton is is that, wait, that is 2.2 trillion? I'm so sorry, yes. guys. Two, a gigatonny is 2.2 yes. trillion pounds. A gigaton That's... is 1 trillion pounds. I'm saying right. gigatonny because they're spelled T-O-N-N-E-S because that's the British version. This is why no climate policy has been passed is because they all get bogged down in like dumb as shit like uh, political representatives that can't think about this the same way we can't think about this. There's like one climate scientist out there listening to this being like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Yeah, they're they're tightening the noose as we're discussing this. They're like, I wanted to come here for jeans. Not today, pal. <laughs> yeah, sorry, buddy. Okay, there's more. So we're on pace to hit 1.5 gigatonnies by 2030, which is 0.5 more gigatonnies than we did in 2019. Which is bad, and like, because the goal that is like self-imposed on the fashion like business that all these people they had their own like Paris Accord was to maintain 1.5 degrees Celsius increase in temperature. And in order to maintain that, we need to reduce the emissions by 45 percent by 2030, not increase them by 50 percent, and then get to net zero by 2050. So. This group that uh, the World Resource Institute that came up with this study that like is apparently done much better than any other study like Qantas or the UN or McKinsey has done all their interns that just spat out numbers. Um, they've got six suggestions for getting there. We ready for these suggestions and how they compare to our own policy suggestions. I'm so confused. I'm not going to lie. Like I, that just, that washed over me just like, like one of those like hundred foot waves in the HBO series. Like it just absolutely destroyed me. I'm still just like, right. Like just getting washed, like dryer cycled somewhere in the depths. Okay. 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 Let me, let me rewind a little bit here. No, I mean, honestly, I just wanted to go like shop for more shit. Right. I'm just like, that's how I address this. Right. As I go buy and ship, buy and ship, buy and ship. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes, you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the new membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code EXTRABLOWOUT. We thought that fashion was much worse than it was, but it turns out it's still bad. And it's still getting worse rather than getting better. It's like when you think you have like a broken ankle, but it's actually just a really bad sprain that still requires a cast and potentially surgery if you don't do everything right. Yes. Yes. That's a, it's a great analogy. Thank cool. you. Cool. I just, I need to, I need to wrap my head around that there. Appreciate it. But there was no reality where it was going to be like, we're, we did a study and it turned out that fashion was cleaning, <laughs> cleaning the planet's air. <laughs> Turns out we don't need more trees because we got fashion. Okay, so six suggestions. We got some suggestions here. Number one, maximizing material efficiency. 
Through design, material selection, and methods of manufacturing, increase the percentage of raw materials used in components and products. Which, I mean, maximizing material efficiency, I'm for that. You know, don't uh, artificially distress genes. Um, like, make sure that you're, you're making things that will last a long time. Increase, you know, make things that are... Yeah, I, I understand this. This is... We, we seem to advocate for these things. Does that not also mean like using the same material, not like developing like 35 different types of fabric or is that just like specifically just like make better, make longer some variation on that shit? Yeah. Just like don't make stuff that's diluted and like, right. uh, that like has a lot of scraps in it. So like put as much, of the raw material into the product rather than like having a bunch of wastage. So we can still have like 32 weights of different fabrics. We just can't be pre-distressing those, those yeah, different weights. Or just don't like toss, you know, half of it on the cutting room floor. That's fair. Makes sense. Track yeah, that. Makes sense. Then number two, scaling sustainable materials and practices. So increase the use of sustainable materials, example, recycled polyester and practices, example, conservation uh tillage for cotton um which i don't know what conservation tillage necessarily implies but i i believe it is a farming technique of like you know (laughs) we're so so out of our depth on this one (laughs) we should talk about black holes too i feel like i'm I'm debating how the cable gets from my wall to my tv right now like just like it's like I think it goes through the wire. <laughs> yeah, you got a conservation like till <laughs> that signal, Reed. You can't have a bunch of lost signal. We've always been about conservational tilling. <laughs> it was a founding ethos of this podcast, and you can't get us off this hill. I will die on the fucking conservationist tilling hill. This one's for us, y'all. <laughs> You know, they say you do like what? One for them, one for you? <laughs> this one's for me. And by I mean me, uh, I don't know, some like idealized version of me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I got off. I'd, I'd like just put Senate members in in outfits a couple weeks ago. We can definitely, uh, definitely humor this one. Mm. So beyond conservation tillage, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts to talk about recycled polyester in the next segment, but right. um was really surprised to see like in 2019 they have breakdowns of like what different fibers were used in clothing. 52% of all clothing in 2019 was made out of polyester. That shocked me to seeing that figure. Yeah. Uh cotton was only 23%, which like I was like, wow, that is a lot of polyester. But like ASOS and Boohoo and yeah, shine and like, fashion yeah, nova. Every, and, fashion nova. I was like, about to say, I was like, I'm missing a huge one. Like, if you look at those, like over fifty percent of those, I think are like a hundred percent polyester of the goods sold on those sites. Like, even the stuff that feels and should be cotton, you're like, this is for sure cotton. Nope, nope, it's not cotton. Yeah. I mean, it tracks. It no, it totally tracks. Read with like my understanding of those brands, but then just to see like the stark number of it, you know, really makes me, you know, because I feel like. I don't know. I feel like that's it's becoming a part of the narrative. Like we're trying to, you know, we're trying to more broadly avoid polyesters and I guess not. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's probably also like as much of a statement on those types of retailers dominance and, and I guess like just pervasiveness too, to see those numbers climb up because like, yeah, when we, when I was working on a, like a no plastic account in a different job, that was one of the things we were, we would discuss quite often is like those fashion retailers and the percentage of clothes listed on their website that were a hundred percent plastic or like, you know, essentially plastic. And it was like usually over 50%, like especially across ASOS and Boohoo. Um, their inventory had like literally no organic fiber in there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess like, yeah, that if, especially like if those, those companies are doing crazy market share, but even like, uh, like H and M, if you get like, they're like soft t-shirts or whatever, it's like 40% cotton, 60 poly. It's cheap. It's plastic. It's oil. But yeah, cotton is 23%. Then uh, man-made cellulosic fibers were 6.4%. That's stuff like Tencel and Modell and the stuff that's made from like wood pulp. Um, nylon was 5%. So yeah, like polyester is not sustainable at all because it's, it's oil. I think uh, there's another statistic in here that like 2% of all oil production goes towards making textiles. It's You'd think there'd be an incentive by like people to conserve this oil for other things, you know, like even like a most capitalist urge. I don't know. That's the thing is that's actually the thing is because no one's driving or not no one, but people have been driving like uh, hybrids and, and non gas powered cars. The demand has gone down. So like, Oh, a whole bunch, especially specifically financial institutions like BlackRock, Citigroup, Chase Bank, go hit up your banks, um, have been investing in, they still invest in like fossil fuel production. You still need to put that shit somewhere. So plastic production is increased. It's going to triple by 2040, I think. And so like from where we're at now, and we've already doubled since 2000, I believe is the number. So it's like, what the fuck? And if you're producing that much, it's ultimately going to be way cheaper. So you're going to be able to find more ways, or if you're going to be incentivized to find ways to put that shit into like other products, which means that like, yeah, they'll start figuring out ways to spin yarn that made out of polyester that feels exactly like Supima cotton or some shit, I'm sure, before mm-hmm. they actually figure out how to work that way, that like that fossil fuel production out of of the economy. So yeah, the financial incentive now is like is just to use the oil, like just to get that shit out of there, regardless of how how it works. And so if it's clothing, it's clothing. And yeah, but plastic production is the the main recipient of that uh hybrid hybrid boom i suppose mm-hmm. it's just like how the government owns 900 million pounds of cheese <laughs> exactly like that well that i support <laughs> i mean you just have to have a big cheese position i feel like especially in the times we're living in yeah well, that's why cheese isn't everything is because like the government's subsidizing milk production and so they buy up all this like excess dairy and then to keep it more shelf stable they turn it into cheese and then, like, to get rid of the cheese, they force it on restaurant groups, which is why you have, like, your grilled cheese, like, nacho burrito at Taco Bell, because they're forcing Taco Bell <laughs> to take this cheese so they can cycle the cheese before it goes bad. Their test kitchen, it's just like, you ask them what's in it, they're like, we don't even know. Like, we don't check the labels anymore. We just put as much as we can inside the tortilla and hope it tastes okay. This big box showed up from the government, and we just put it in the food. Why not? Wow, what if our government started making, like, camembert or something out of that? You know, like, come on, guys, let's innovate. Number three, 
accelerating the development of innovative materials, ramp up investment in, quote, next generation preferred materials, including textile recycling, bio-based materials, and plant-based leather. Um, seems good. I mean, textile recycling, as we talked about and we'll talk about next, like, I'm a little dubious of the benefits of it and how it outweighs the, like, energy necessary in terms of recycling it. Um, plant-based leather would be neat. There's a store in New York. I would, it's in Soho. I wish I could remember what it's called. I sort of, um, apologies to the store, but they carried like the pineapple leather. You ever see that? Oh yeah. Pineapple leather's cool. It smells weird, but mm. it is kind of cool. It, I have no idea how it doesn't rot. Like, and I know you could explain to me in a million different ways, but I'm just like, I have no idea how it doesn't like, it seems like it's like, that's what fruit does. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what tanning leather, like animal skin does too. Yeah. But can you, this is where it's like, I don't know how anything works. Clearly. <laughs> um, I just talk about it, but yeah, it's, it has a weird smell to it. And it's not like the cooked, like, ah, this will last smell of the animal had that you're right. Absolutely should smell like a cart. Like what the fuck? I never really thought about that. But yeah, like when I walked in there, I was like, this store smells like a funny, like it smells funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just another thing we don't understand, but we're willing to, uh, you know, <laughs> bring on the pod. I don't, I don't get it. I, like jerky. They're like, they dry it. I'm like, that makes sense. I'll continue to eat this like room temperature meat. <laughs> Trust it. Let's go. Hey, that's like the oldest method of, <laughs> consuming meat you know absolutely it. that means there's like zero science behind it like literally like there was yeah. just like just guess and check shit we don't even know why it works they're just like yeah this is how we do it it's like salt and smoke trial and into error <laughs> yeah plant-based leathers i'm also a little bit like mm, because like the vast majority of leather is like uh, meat byproduct and there's like way more animal skins than we have, but I, like all the tanning processes, um, those use a lot of heavy metals and things if you're not veg tanning it, which takes a long time. Um, so yeah, I could see plant-based leather being a thing, but otherwise you're just going to have to like throw away all the hides from all the cows getting butchered. Number four through six, they really got lazy here. This number four is proliferating energy efficiency, expand energy efficiency efforts across manufacturing facilities. Number five is eliminating coal in manufacturing, replacing coal as energy source materials in product manufacturing. And number six is shifting to 100% renewable electricity, deploy renewable energy across the supply chain. This is like one of those do better suggestions. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Just stop using so much energy, which, all right. I mean, like uh, a lot of the problems here, at least like the ones that I've noticed, is in a lot of these developing countries that um, uh, where all this manufacturing is taking place, the municipal power grid isn't um, solid enough to sustain it, so they have to build their own mm-hmm. power plants. And that was the thing that we were talking about a while ago of that guy that wanted to put nuclear like reactors, the mini ones, the little yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was a lot. I feel like that guy hadn't thought his whole plan through, but I liked where his head was at. Yeah, but like the one that we went to in Pakistan, they had their own coal power plant there because they were like, yeah, we can't trust the the power grid. So we just burn coal so we can like only be we can be self-reliant here. And I was like, all right, I get it. I guess this 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 sucks. It smells bad here, but all right. Burn the bottles. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, maybe like many nuclear reactor guy can can help these people out. Well, there's also an environmental report card that was uh, went along with this study that uh, 
awards brands a letter grade based on how they performed environmentally wise, like A through F. No one got an A. One brand got a B minus. There were uh, a few C's, a bunch of D's, and even more F's. And this is just like on maybe like 50 uh, top performing brands are the ones that they, they decided to call out. Only one that got a B minus was uh, Mammut. Mammut, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like a French outdoor clothing brand. Yeah, they uh, do climbing stuff. Yeah, they do climbing stuff. You know, and they, I guess that's their, their motivation is to keep the outdoors habitable or else people won't buy their stuff. Mm. Um, although Arcteryx and uh, Patagonia each got a C minus, which I was surprised by because like Patagonia is always touting themselves as being very, very eco-friendly. Levi's got a C. Which I found kind of surprising because, like, they got the, better than Patagonian Arcteryx. Yeah, yeah, because it it's less synthetics, or probably I'm unsure. Like, um, they it's very like fuzzy the the grades that they got here. Yeah, what's the what's the rubric? Because they have things of like, oh, what is their supply chain like? How are they transporting things? How are they communicating this stuff? Like, what resources are they using? And they've got like a little like paragraph on each one. Uniqlo got an F. Yeah, Uniqlo got an F. Under Armour got an F. Prada got an F. Everlean got an F. That's the least surprising shit. Uh, Everlean getting well, an F. Like that that is like that is the least surprising shit ever. Nike got a C plus. I did see that like recently that, you know, they're talking about all the yeah, all those like Gorpy brands are really struggling to or will struggle to become sustainable with all the chemicals and synthetics required, you know, to waterproof stuff, et cetera. So I don't, that's, that stuff's just so toxic. I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but uh mammoth might've figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're mammoth stands now. That's, this is a mammoth podcast. You're, you're, you're in a mammoth house now. <laughs> I mean, honestly, some of these mammoth shoes and boots are pretty sick. So, no more of those Solomons, which got like a D, I think. Yeah, Solomon. Solomon makes D minus. D minus. They're like forging metal. There's no way they're good. Wow. Okay. Metal, natural material. Again, like, see, this is where I say like, I don't understand. Like, I'm just throwing giant in my head. I'm like, metal sparks can't be good. <laughs> Fire. But yeah. No. Like. Reading all this, though, even though it was like, oh, we're not as bad as we thought, it still is just like, oh, we're still just fucked. It's like all these brands are just going to keep protecting their bottom line and producing however they can. And like, right. And they're not going to comply until they absolutely have to. And I don't see like the num- the amount of gigatonnies going down um, without massive regulation. I think, I th- yeah, I don't think there's gonna any reality where they'll be regulated fully. And I think the only way that they'll shape up is if a sustainable option somehow becomes more profitable than the current, than the current situation. So that was the shot. The, here, we got the chaser here of uh, another piece of news is that recycled clothing isn't actually all that green, which we talked about a little bit before on that other report of like how recycled clothing like is not as effective, especially with cotton. But uh, yeah, the WRI report, the World Resource Institute that we just cited here, they said we need more recycled fibers. Forget that. That's we we don't need more recycled fibers because apparently those are bad too. Do you think that's a situation where 
like read what you're describing where like the more manufacturing you're doing in something with plastic like the cheaper it com- becomes I, like and i'm not and i know that this is still like you know more wasteful than we would like it to be or has more emissions but do you think this is a thing where the more effort is put into this recycling of textiles the less you know the less emissions will will get out of it like is it still like has this has have the best minds fully applied themselves to this yet or is it just kind of like are we new in this field still you know what i mean so no and yes um but like it's like a yes and no in that regard i think more than anything like Anytime you start scaling those things, I do think that like ultimately like, the efficiency will increase. You'll start developing better like tried and true methods on how to how to turn those things into resources and things like that. It's like especially like in regards to collection and processing, um, which is like usually one of the biggest issues with recycling. Like if you try to bring on five hundred thousand people worldwide into a recycling grid every day, I think it'd still take us to like twenty fifty to bring everyone in the world online. Um, but the problem that I always like have at least read about with these things and understood is that like, basically like there is no such thing as true recycling. It's all technically downcycling. Like the integrity of the materials do break down just by the fundamental nature of the materials. So it's like, ultimately there is like, it's not like you could make a pair of jeans into infinite pairs of jeans. Right. So like, there's still always going to be a requirement for new materials within a, like an increased recycling fiber just like theoretically would you need less, but like in order to have the stuff in the system to continue to produce, especially with like a growing market, you would consistently need to make new stuff, which ultimately would like lead to two sort of price wars. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right in the sense that like, if you build it out and you really invest yourself and you start taking like the best, like the best and brightest minds or whatever, and having them apply like their, you know, their expertise to that, you probably start getting like far more efficient and far more green methods to actually like recycle clothing. But ultimately like you will recycle all the clothing. Um, and then you're going to need to go back into the new clothing. And so, so like, and obviously like you're never going to get into like, or into the new fibers. You're never going to get into like a one for one. It's just, yeah, I think that like, it's it's a nice like wish to be like oh we could recycle everything and we could turn this all into new stuff but it's just like also a lot of stuff gets damaged we need to like our i mean people get blown away when they find out how much is recycled in new york city for instance or like in most like in america like nine percent of the plastic you put in a recycling bin actually makes it into recycling it's pretty much only things labeled with one right like some places can handle two one state can handle up to five but one state that's Connecticut, I think for the most part, it's like you, you, nothing gets recycled and we put it in the bins because it makes us feel good. But like, there's a million reasons why bad systems, poor infrastructure, can't sort anything out. Those machines like that you would actually use to sort, which people have invested in money in a lot of money in are like pretty finicky or get gummed up and shit. So it's like, you need to make sure that like nothing even close to contaminated can get in there uh, to keep integrity strong too on the fiber. So it's just like, there probably is, but it's like, I can't imagine a way in which like we could recycle ripped jeans. Right. Because it's like, you're not going to get like those fibers are already pretty shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to chop them up and then mix in like, I think at least 70% new fibers for it to have any sort of integrity, but even still like it's less uh, durable than just a gene made out of a hundred percent new fibers. Yeah. Like the, 
I feel like the better the better solution to all this, which is weird, is it's like a clean disposal method. It's like if we could just like figure out a way to like get rid of the old stuff yeah. instead of like trying to figure out like all these crazy treatments to turn it into new stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's always the issue is it's like the amount of energy required to like there's like a few of these like on demand recycling places like for places that are might be offline or like have bad, you know, just like bad systems. But the amount of energy they use just to get to those people's houses and collection points is like worse than whatever the the offset would be. Yeah. And your comment on downcycling here is like basically the the whole crux of this piece of like why clothing getting into this is bad. Um as yeah, as you mentioned, like sixty nine percent of clothing is made of, of synthetic fibers. Not nice. Um and polyester, the most common, 52% of all fiber production. Uh, and there's a climate cost. The raw material for these fibers is fossil fuels. Textile production consumes 1.35% of global oil production. Overstated in saying two earlier. Uh, more oil than Spain uses in a year and significantly contributes to the fashion industry's huge climate footprint. Synthetics also continue to have an impact long after production, set it, shedding plastic microfibers into the environment when clothes are washed. In response, a growing number of brands are switching to recycled versions of synthetic fibers like polyester, often advertising these clothes as the more sustainable or conscious choice, which seems like an environmental win, but as brands weave more of these recycled yarns into their garments, some experts question whether they're just patching over fashion's environmental harms. Uh, We've been led to believe that recycled and sustainable are synonymous when they are anything but, said Maxine Bedat, executive director of New Standard Institute, a nonprofit pushing for sustainable fashion industry. So if you're recycling synthetics that doesn't get rid of the microplastics problem, fibers continue shedding from recycled plastic yarns as much as from virgin yarns. PET bottles are also part of a well-established closed-loop recycling system where they can be efficiently recycled at least 10 times. The apparel industry is taking from this closed loops and moving it into a linear system because most of those clothes won't be recycled, said Badat. Converting plastic bottles into clothes may actually accelerate its path to the landfill especially low-quality fast fashion garments, which are often discarded after only a few uses. Yeah, I mean, in a closed loop is like the, is a synonymous for like a circular economy that you always hear about, right? Where it's just like mm. pants become pants. And it's like, yeah, like even they have to qualify what PET bottles are in a closed loop, which they're saying is gets, you can get like 10 out of there, right? 10 bottles out yeah. of that, which is still not technically a closed loop. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately, like, it is by like their definition, I suppose, which is probably the strongest one, but it's like a bottle can't become a bottle for infinity. Yeah. Like ultimately it will break down and degrade, which again is going to require the introduction of like new materials. So yeah, like that is, I feel like an inch, like a good point, like a solid point in that regard too, where it's just like, if the ultimate goal is like circularity or, or closing that loop in fashion, it's like, the energy required to get there would offset any good, good things anyway, it seems like. Plus, there is no hope for a truly closed loop system. So it's like you're going to be spending and exhausting a ton of energy on something that's fundamentally impossible. But you want to do it as much as possible. It's like it's a thing of like, it's not going to be completely closed of like, but you can turn the bottle into a bottle 10 times. But when you can't turn it into a bottle anymore, you turn it into a shirt. But you don't want to turn it into a shirt like before it can't no longer be a bottle. And, a, and if you can manage to recycle like a bottle 10 times, it's like so much better than what we've got going. And I'm not advocating for, for yeah. the other for the other. Um, it's just that if you're like 
sort of advocating for that as the solution, the amount of the amount of time that actually works is is fairly low. And like those systems are often pretty vulnerable. Like as they're just saying, like if you're pulling water bottles out of that system to make jeans, then you're gonna need to add new water bottles into the system to like to to sort of satisfy that demand. So it's sort of like a precarious mm-hmm. situation in that regard. Yes, but yeah, and the jeans are more degraded than the water bottle because you're having to make this like very thin fiber rather than like a solid bottle. Yeah, you just melt it down and remold it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a so you have more shedding when it's in like a clothing form than it when it is in a bottle form. It's just like buy less, buy better, but also like they need to make less, make better. Like that's the real. Yeah, you know, nobody makes any like, money when you make less, make exa- better. Which exactly, is why it's not happening. So. Yeah, I mean, like, this feels like an effective greenwashing where, like, everyone knows that there's a problem, but everyone wants to feel good and feel like they're contributing to the solution. So you have something like recycled polyester and, like, go, like, this is the answer, and it's marketed as the answer when it is not the answer and it might actually be worse. Um, yeah, I don't know the way out of that. Yeah, and it, like, sort of allows folks to keep on the destructive path being like, no, we're going to be circular. And it's like, it's going to be a long time. <laughs> Even if you get there, like, and it's again, like, it's good that they're trying to recycle stuff. It's just like the credit they're getting they're like that, that they're seeking, I think might be a bit overstated in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recycled does not equal good. And I think too, like, and I interviewed Andrew Ola, like a couple months ago, he was describing how like all these brands want recycled polyester now and they go to their suppliers in China and they make polyester and then they chop it up and remake it so they can say it's recycled, even though it's never actually no been used in the first place. Way. No fucking. That also tracks. Yeah. Like I did not I did not know that, but I am not surprised. Yeah. Um so yeah, if you want policy solutions, we're willing to sell a pair of raw denim and Teamster team to every American as part of the new infrastructure bill. I'd be happy to get in some of that pork. And it seemed like it would be more useful than uh than recycling all this plastic. Bring back pork. Uh pork prices are going up. They were uh, down, though. That's why we get the McRib arbitrage, baby. Mm-hmm. November. I hear it's not as good this time around. Have you tried it? No, not yet. Okay. We'll have to come back and compare notes. Let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be back for actual Chaser, some product talk of non-recycled, um, probably better for the environment products than what we were just discussing. Attention, blowout listeners. Stop by the Heddle Shop for a wide assortment of sweaters, knits, and Teamster tees available in the newest colors and styles. Our denim tops and jeans for men's and boys are made in USA and are available in a rainbow of colors at a low Heddle's price. Visit shop.heddles.com and use the code BLOWOUT for a special listener discount. Welcome back to the lighter side of this episode of Blowout. We're going back to product talk. No more PR plop this time around. Uh, first up, new brand alert, or new brand at least to me, of uh, Heimat. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. It's a German knitwear brand that they've got at Clutch Cafe. That They all look great, like the sweaters particularly, especially these like... Uh, roll neck like they're calling like turtleneck uh sweaters they got down at the bottom although like i feel like i would look like a q-tip if i tried to wear any of them but i really like the way that they look are these ones are calling a u-boat sweater yeah i i do think it's a little bit weird they're calling it that which 
tough beat for a German brand. But they say that it's based off a British Submariner sweater, even though they're calling it the U-boat. Maybe this is just like something mm-hmm. that was lost in translation. Just a full choice or otherwise. Yeah. Just being like, this was British. Now let's really bring back the, uh, the early 20th century Germany of it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes me think about Not great. whoever wins a war also wins their uniforms being part of like the, the uniform like mm-hmm. the fashion cannon. cannon. Oh, totally. And the losers becoming taboo is like, oh, if you ever see like Flecktarn or like any German like World War II camo, it's like, mm, no, I don't really like that. Whereas you see the American like one, the it's connotations like, connotations oh, aren't good. No, they aren't good, which is... It's hard to escape. Like, it's, like, hard to remove the context from the garment at that point, I think. Like, America, we successfully did that somehow. I don't know. But that one's really hard. Well, that's because we won. But mm-hmm. uh, rain camo, I feel like the, the like, you know, uh, Eastern Bloc countries, like, rain camo that you'd see in, like, uh, East Germany and uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. Mm, that one sort of survived. But, yeah. Back on these sweaters... I think it looks like good stuff. Like seems uh, reasonably priced as well, and very like heavy for what it is. It reminds me of Anderson Anderson. Yes, it's cheaper than Anderson Anderson. Yeah, it is slightly. I have to go to a bachelor party in Wisconsin this weekend, where it's like thirty degrees, and I haven't been anywhere cold in so long. And I just don't. I wish I had this sweater, but I, you know, I don't know how I'm gonna do how I'm gonna do out there. Layer up. You got stuff. Yeah, I got stuff. Where that I experienced vest. cold. Oh, that's that's not a bad idea. I'll pack that. Which we've got these uh, Strauss Malcolm Fairbow Woolen Mills blanket vest available at shop.heddles.com. 10% off with listener code blowout. Um, moving on. We got the double RL Ackworth suede jacket, which like Half of what Double RL makes is stupidly expensive and great, and half of it is just stupidly expensive and stupid. I think this one's stupidly expensive and stupid. It is $2,400 for a printed suede jacket that just looks very, very cheap and weird and like somewhat degraded. Or four payments of $600 with Klarna. Yeah. Oh. That somehow sounds like a worse deal. Yeah. I don't. I can't you explain. Have to be reminded it. Just, of your, uh, yeah. your purchase four times. This thing is fucked up. I apologize to anyone out there if if it's on your person. No, it's, it's bad. not. There's still time. It's it says that it is crafted from rough out suede that's been printed with a southwestern inspired motif and specially worn for a vintage look. Which means that like somebody wear this, or did they like specially? They specially wore it. They just left it out on the porch for a few weeks. They conservatively tilled it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it looks really bad. And is also $2,400. This just like, it looks like a double RL window. And I guess that's like some people's shit, but not this, Cowboys. Immediately after getting it out of the store, like this is like the in a double RL store is the only context where this garment would ever make sense. And that's the other thing about this, what they're calling a generic, like Southwestern print. It's like what I learned from my conversation. The one time I interviewed the head of GNU, I don't remember his car is in car. What's his name? Eric, Eric of GNU was that so many, you know, of these kind of, I think 
a less responsible brand would just call things like quote unquote native print. Mm -hmm. And if someone who's actually indigenous looks at them, they know, well, this shape means that in my, for my tribe, this means that. And so something that's kind of a generic Southwestern print could be saying something offensive or just not, you know, paying proper respect to something real, you know, it's just yeah, crazy. It's making no sense. Yeah. yeah. It looks sort of 14 like 14 reference points. Chimayo, mm-hmm. like Navajo bastardization thing. So just bad all around. Mm-hmm. Thumbs down. Um, Thumbs down. Then yeah, there's, for the guy you don't, you really don't need to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you still got two more payments. Lay off of them. <laughs> Shout uh, out Klarna. Then there's a new brand that I saw uh, had a pop up at Hatchet Supply called William Ellery, which looks like I don't know. Someone had like a, a schizoid break while watching Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> But it looks pretty well done. Like the, I think the vest is neat. It's a lot of upcycled stuff where they're taking like vintage garments and doing like additions or alterations of them. And of course, it's like one guy that has a studio in Brooklyn. Um, did you see this at all, Reed? Like, uh, I don't know if you had a chance if you made it by. Not in person. Fun thing is too is his name isn't William Ellerly. No, it's not. I mean, William Ellery is the uh, the founding father that founded. Rhode Island, which is also not an island. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, I didn't see any of it. It, it looks cool. Yeah, it, look, it looks well done. I like um, the rec socks, and I know, like, if it sounds like if I'm like going for the socks, it's like it's that's. But I like it. I like the the hat looks good. There's a. Did you think the vest comes with all the the fixing the fixings or? <laughs> I was thinking that. Did you have to, did you have to purchase those separately? Well, for four seventy five, I better get all those pliers. Yeah, I want, I want the fixins, man. <laughs> I want the nails. I want the the flare. <laughs> the shooting code's pretty sick with that like weird string situation. Yeah, is there like a Moonrise Kingdom Tom Sachs thing going on? Yeah, but I don't hate it as much as like those two descriptors would make me want to. Yeah, somehow they came together and made a nice little little baby. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it makes me wonder, are we going to see a resurgence of, like, 60s hunting clothing again, of, like, Duck's Back and L.L. Bean and all that? Is like, I feel like that hasn't really been the thing since, like, 2010 or 2011. Um, and if this were around that time period, this is a brand that, like, would have been set up in the Knickerbocker workshop in Bushwick. Um, and I, it'd be nice for that to come back. I, I miss those years. I could definitely see that. I mean... Just how cheap LL Bean vintage is on eBay now, I feel like that's not going to last. So, you know, I think we're like working through, like, you know, we cycle through these old brands that that become sort of cool. And, you know, I I, th- I could see that happening for sure. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the kind of like preppy thing, right? What's It's like a hunt, hunting and all that. Yeah, you Boy know? Scout, like National mm-hmm. Park Ranger type thing. Yeah, I defer to Albert who's on TikTok for these for the trend reports on this one. People out there looking like Yosemite Sam or what? Yes, please say yes. <laughs> My for you page gives me almost no fashion content. I'm just getting like cats and strange situations, you know. That's fine. Um, My Instagram algorithm somehow just is like only capybaras and it's just it's been an incredible couple months. It's <laughs> just capybara content. Yeah, I live in ignorance, but it's it's blissful. <laughs> Yeah, you're my only fashion person I see on TikTok as well. 
Otherwise, it's like cats and like socialist cooking videos. It's a very, very interesting niche. All right. Well, I think it's a good place to put a pin in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put a bullet in us. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> a metric or a uh, imperial bullet? Either. Uh, a, a giga Actually, bullet. <laughs> I'd like to understand my demise. Make it imperial. <laughs> 45 it is. Uh, all right, thank you very much for joining us. This has been the Heddles Blowout Podcast. If you want to support us, you can join Heddles Plus for more episodes where we don't have it any more together than we did today. You can find that at just heddles.plus in your browser. You use the code extra blowout for a free first month. You get discounts all over the web, too. And giveaways. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, reads, what's our email? Blowout at heddles.com. Thank you very much for joining us. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.